always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Welcome back to Green and Growing, covering a lot of topics today. And of course, your calls, 404-872-0750. In just a little while, too, we'll have a, a brief discussion with uh, my friend, Norm Mitleider, about pruning hydrangeas. There's so much to be doing and so much to be planning head on in the landscape right now. So I bring you um, advice from the experts, just firsthand knowledge of what to do and when to do it and how to do it. So that, after your calls, I'm ready to to get to the phone. So first we say good morning to Tim calling from McDonough. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Uh, a dilemma here with my Bermuda grass, especially during the summer with the holes that I have in it, uh, holes and divots, and when I cut over it, it scalps the grass so badly that it, it almost kills it. And my question is, is when and how can I correct this situation and uh, what, what can I do? I, I'm going to hang up. I'm on the car phone. I'm going to hang up so I can listen to you. All right. Great question, Tim, and a good time to be thinking about it as well. Um, yep, I hope you're still able to hear. So the best time to level out lawns is when they're growing rapidly. There's nothing that's going to really make a whole lot of progress right now with those warm season grasses that are still dormant. So start planning ahead, um, you know, to summertime when it is growing rapidly. Some of you have called over the years and you've heard sand. Well, you don't want to use sand by itself because sand is going to dry out, right? Um, You'll get drought injury to the places that you've put just sand. It dries out so much more quickly than regular soil. There's nothing there to um, obtain any moisture. So what you want to do is mix some dry topsoil with a a bag of like the fine sand. Um, Mix that together, probably equal parts, um, and then shovel the mixture into the low spots to kind of level them out. No more, though, than about half of an inch. Um, it needs to still be a thin enough layer as you're leveling things out so that the grass blades are able to get sun. We don't want to, to bury the grass blades. So use a broom or something like that or just your hand to sweep the soil off the grass blades, sift it down as far as possible, um, and then just kind of go about your routine. Maintain the lawn normally until grass has grown on top of that, and you'll repeat that step, but you don't want to do it all at once. Like I said, just half an inch at a time and also fertilize to fertilize in between to strengthen those spots. Um, So that's kind of going to be your task all summer, kind of alternating, fill a little bit, fertilize on time when you need to for that Bermuda lawn, and then level it out again. Just keep that really good mixture of the dry topsoil and the sand together and the right time to fertilize any turf grass, lawn grasses, when it's in active growth. So just a reminder for owners of Bermuda grass, fertilization, best in April, you know, when it is starting to green up. Another application in about June 
And then September is the last time for the year that you'll want to fertilize that Bermuda. And Tim, your call too makes me think, um, I've got low spots in the yard too, and I have fescue grass, and I also have mounds and mounding spots. So I've got these lifts and, and valleys, and I have discovered that I've got moles in my fescue, and that is just tunneling underneath the dirt, and that is such a frustrating process to go through, and a lot of you will start to see that too as we make our way outside in the spring and in the summer. So the best thing to do for that too, because I'm trying to level out my yard, um, is to stomp down the tunnels. I wish there was some quicker, easier answer for moles, uh, but just trying to think leveling out my lawn, that's what I'm having to do. And you'll know you've got mole tunnels for sure when you're starting to walk on your grass and it's just really soft. It just collapses underneath your feet. And of course, as I go to mow, you know, when it's going to be necessary uh, in the warmer weather, that's really going to cause some damage and be tough on my fescue when I'm rolling the mower over it and I'm going to have the the mower wheels kind of falling into that soft soil. So that's going to be fun. Not Not looking forward to that. But thank you so much for the call, Tim. You drive safe out there. 404-872-0750. Dave in Jonesboro will stay on the south side. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. I, I need recommendation for uh, uh, a decent ground cover. Um, I've got a shady area, um, backyard, side yard, shady area. I got deer, and uh, short of going over my neighbor's yard some night and trying to cut down their trees without them knowing about it. <laughs> I, I I need a ground cover. Okay. So just something that's low maintenance, right? Right. All right. So I've got some suggestions for you. Um, I have a juga. A juga is a, a purplish, greenish kind of ground cover. The deer have not touched mine. Um, and that grows really, really well. And it spreads. And I've got that underneath a large oak tree. It's a little bit steep. Um, and that has held in really, really well. And the bees like it, too. Um, Ajuga is one. Creeping Liriope or Liropi, however you say it. But monkey grass. Uh, creeping monkey grass is going to be good, too. Uh, a periwinkle. That might be something pretty. Or depending on how we want to structure this. I mean, if it's a ground cover that you want to walk on, those things are going to be great. But how about considering for those shady areas, hostas or ferns, too? I mean, that could add some interest and you could make some, you know, a little bit of a design or shape with those. Deer will take out the... Uh, the hostas, yes. The hostas, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes yeah. they will. Okay, you're absolutely right. Um, wild ginger is another one. And that, for me, uh, grows wild. Don't know how it got there. Um, but wild ginger is another option. So you've got some. My favorite is probably going to be the liriope or the ajuga. Um, and like I said, the ajuga, that's going to take care of itself over, over the years. That'll spread and probably fill in quite nicely for you. That sounds... That sounds pretty much ideal. Good. Um, it's, it's a lot of the area is pretty well sloped. Is that the uh, Juga well go well there too? Yeah, it does. I get uh, I get runoff from the neighbor's yard up above um, when it rains pretty heavily, and yeah, we so, got to we got to do something about those neighbors. <laughs> I know, right? Why why do we even have to have those neighbors? My goodness. No, most most are good, but you're right. Those trees can be a little bit of a pain, and you have no control over that if they're not on your property, for sure. So, yeah, I have good luck finding some of those, Dave. All of that should be pretty easy to find. Um, Ajuga, creeping lirio, monkey grass, periwinkle. Uh, hostas, you're absolutely right. No, the, the deer are going to eat that. Thanks so much for the call, Dave. Appreciate it. 
404-872-0750. Antonio out in Lawrenceville. Hey, thanks for calling. Hey, good morning, Ashley. I want to say that I'm a first-time caller. I listen to your show all the time. Oh, I'm so glad you called. That makes my day. Thank you. Have you just not had a question up until now, or did it make you a little nervous to call? What's held you back? Well, uh, uh, just Valentine's Day is coming up, and I've I've been doing a typical thing, just buying roses and candy. And a friend of mine told me about this plant called the Birds of Paradise. Yes. And I said, well... Uh, that sounds like a good plant to buy. And I looked it up and it was just a beautiful plant. And I said, I I ordered one for my wife. So I wanted to know how I can uh, uh, take care of that plant. So, you know, it stays beautiful. How, you know, know, just the proper way of taking care of that plant. So it stays around uh, typically longer than an actual rose bud of flowers would. Yeah. and, And Antonio's wife, I hope she's not listening, right? (laughs) <laughs> I, think, well, I think she's still asleep. Oh, good. Hey, all right. So good. Your your secret's safe with me. So that is a fantastic <laughs> house plant. So tropical. It's going to be bright and cheerful. I think you did really, really well. I mean, we we love roses and we love Alstromera. Um, I mean, we love all those typical flowers that we think of for Valentine's Day. African violets are something a little bit different too. Orchids. Um, okay, but so here's what we need to make the bird of paradise thrive. It thrives in bright, direct, or indirect light. It can take full sun. So we're thinking, you know, eastern facing window for sure as you have it um, as a house plant, you know, still for the colder months. Really only needs to be watered every seven to 10 days, but no more than that. As with any house plant too, we want to allow the soil to dry out in between waterings. Um, and it's okay with these house plants if sometimes you do see the leaves start to droop a little bit because you've gone so long in between waterings. That's that's okay. So you stick your finger down in the dirt just, you know, every, like I said, seven to ten days just to kind of check. And if it's dry, you know, down to your knuckle, you definitely need to water. Um, normal room humidity will do. But since it is tropical, it does do just fine in high humidity conditions. So for the time being... Indoors is great, but outdoors, I mean, 65 to 85 degrees, I mean, that's going to be ideal, right? So um, when we slowly start to move this outside, if we want to, Antonio, like maybe on a balcony or a deck or something like that, as we start to move it outside and enjoy it in our outdoor space, um, don't put it in in bright sun. You slowly want to kind of introduce it to the outside when the weather gets a little warmer. Above 60 degrees is going to be when you want to take that out. Um, do keep it away from, from your pets. That's the case with most houseplants, although they're not all toxic. Um, but it's going to do, it's going to do great. And then you're not going to need to even, you know, it'll be around for a long time. You're not even going to need to repot it. Uh, you don't even have to think about that for, for a few years, but we'll, we'll get there when you start to see, you know, it's, it's going through water pretty quickly. We'll have to think about moving it to a pot that's one inch larger than what it's in. But yep, for the time being, you are on the right track, Antonio. Thanks so much for the call. We'll be talking to Mitchell and Aubrey and Lisa and hopefully you coming up in the Pike Nursery at 830-404-872-0750. This is Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca on WSB.
Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update, and you'll hear a complete weather forecast coming up from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist and Brad Nitz uh, in just a few moments. But in the meantime, you'll have me just to tell you that it's going to be 47 degrees today as the high, give or take. Uh, showers later on in the day, rain chance 90%. So sorry about that. Low of around 36. And then we're headed to a little bit of a warm up tomorrow. Highs in the low 50s, lows around 33, mostly sunny tomorrow and Monday. So that's good news for Super Bowl Sunday, for sure. Maybe you're hosting a small Super Bowl party, but outdoors. So you're going to be able to enjoy that. That's just fine, whether you're cheering on the Bucks or the Chiefs. It's going to be a nice day. 404-872-0750. Up next, Lisa in Doraville. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, good morning, Ashley. Hey. Hey, I've got a fantastic backyard, except for the fact it has a uh, thick blanket of moss all over it. Um, I checked the internet. I got whatever it told me to get, but it doesn't seem to be working, but it could be operator error as well. Yeah. So, you know, what do I do? <laughs> really, it's it's more environmental than anything. Um, there is like copper sulfate products um, that, that are on the market that say they're going to kill moss, but really that is not your permanent answer, uh, for sure, because the moss is growing in a, a perfect condition, perfect environment that it prefers, Lisa. So I can tell you right now, just without even seeing your yard, it's shady. It's got some compacted soil for sure. Georgia red clay, we're famous for that. And it probably stays a little a little moist, a little damp, uh, wet because of the shade or maybe some low areas where it's thriving. So we've got to get rid of all of those type things. So getting the shade under control, that's going to be a little difficult, especially with a lot of trees in the landscape, um, I've I've gone so far as I hate taking trees out, but we have had to do that uh, on occasion in in the yard at my house for sure. But limbing some of those trees, that's that's a better alternative uh, than to just rather taking the trees down. So limbing some of those up, um, and then you want to add soil conditioner to the ground. You know, if we if we do want to establish grass seed there, I'm um, adding soil conditioner tilling up the the ground or aerating it or whatever the case may be before you do any any kind of grass seed. Um, and then to take care of the moisture problem, you know, that's kind of goes hand in hand with alleviating some of the shade. But um, being able to redirect some water, you know, if, if you do have water, I was just talking to another caller about water coming in from, from the neighbor's landscape, which is a little bit higher than mine, but redirecting it in such a way that areas aren't going to stay damp, um, that can be with landscape borders. That can be with some ground cover uh, to kind of keep areas a little bit drier. So those are going to be your best bet, better than copper sulfate products um, for sure. So eliminate some of that shade, break up the soil so that it's not compacted, and definitely try to let things dry out too. 404-872-0750. Up next is Mitchell. Good morning, Mitchell. Thanks for calling the show. Good morning, Ashley. So what are we, we have, what are we looking to do? You've got a task ahead of you, don't you? Yeah, my uh, the field around my dad's house is is uh, compacted and sunk pretty considerably, and we're fixing to take out all of the landscape and redo it. And the only thing I'm really concerned with saving, besides the bulbs, which the bulbs are easy to save, yeah, is uh, a mature rhododendron that's about four and a half feet tall, and I want to move it to a new location. Okay. The question is, <coughs> when I move it, should I go ahead and trim it, or should I wait and find out what's going to turn brown and then trim it? 
So, you know, right now, azaleas, rhododendrons, same family, they do have the buds on them right now uh, for the flowers that we're going to be seeing here very soon, maybe in the next four to six weeks. So if you cut it back just to make it more manageable to move, you are not going to have flowers this spring. Um, but with that being the case, if you're okay with that, we're, we're talking long-term. Obviously, this is a rhododendron you want to save. So prepare the new hole first. You know, Go ahead and get that ready before you dig it out so it's not out of the ground for any longer than it needs to be. Rhododendrons, azaleas, they thrive in moist, well-drained soils, rich organic matter, so the, the better you can prepare that hole. Um, but they have fine hair-like roots, and they're kind of shallow, um, so that's good news in digging that out. You really need to dig wider than deep um, and as much of the root ball as you can. But like I said, once you kind of you've dug wide and once you start to go deep, you'll kind of see where the roots stop because they are um, somewhat shallow. So that's going to be good. Don't put any fertilizer in the hole or anything like that. I would just recommend, you know, backfilling it with dirt, but then get some rhododendron and azalea. Um, fertilizer and then once it's kind of established in the ground and now is a good time to do that too. Uh, once it's established fertilize it on a regular schedule and like I said if you if you won't miss some of the blooms for this spring cut it back as, as necessary just to make it more manageable. Thanks for calling Mitchell. We're going to take a break and check news, weather and traffic and we'll be back with Pike Nursery and starting seed. What a fun conversation right here on Green and Growing. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. I love when gardening on the show can become a two-way conversation. I, of course, give you my best answers. Sometimes I don't have the answers. Um, and many of you do, and I love that. Stan has called in for a couple of weeks now. Um, with some items about Bermuda grass. And just when people weigh in and give each other suggestions, I love it. So uh, for the caller that we were talking about, ground cover uh, for shady areas, Lee weighed in on my Green and Growing WSB Facebook page, and I so appreciate that, um, suggesting Pennsylvania sedge. And that is a great idea for a ground cover. Thank you so much for that. Part shade to full shade uh, does very well dry it can it could dry out it's just a great ground cover so i appreciate the suggestion all right this is the time in the show where we talk to pike nursery and i'm really glad that earlier we were able to focus on landscape design and installation spent some time with a uh, registered landscape architect brian albini and now his colleague charles lampkin is here along to uh to talk about what's in the nursery this weekend good morning charles welcome back Hey, good morning, Ashley. How are you? I'm very good. Always glad to have you on. Manager there at the Marietta Pike Nursery location. And uh, Charles, this is definitely something that you know a lot about. And we've been talking about it for weeks now leading up to starting seed indoors. This is a fun task. A lot of people love doing this every February. And we're getting close. If not, we're we're right on time for it, aren't we? No, we are. And and you, you kind of Hit the, hit the nail on the head right there. It is fun, and it's a task that is for all ages, mm -hmm. um, for your elementary kids and very easy setups and, and designs to, you know, full heating mats and uh, 
lights and, and, and everything for your more advanced growers. Um, but yeah, it is, it is time now to, to start thinking about this and it's, uh, it's time to start thinking about tomatoes, even though it's in February, but you know, we can, we can try to help you out right now. Absolutely. And you save a lot of time by starting everything indoors now. Um, and then, you know, we, we have that long germination period, uh, where the seedlings need to germinate and grow and all of that. And then we have strong, sturdy plants that we're able to put out in the garden on time. And it's just a really rewarding experience. So y'all have got some fantastic seeds. I mean, y'all are complimented all the time by listeners to the show. The seed wall in every Pike Nursery location is just amazing. I mean, tell us kind of what we can sow, which seeds we can be sowing right now. Um, one thing to get to get started now would be some of your um, leafy vegetables because they could go out in the ground before our, our frost date or last frost date. Um, so your collards, your turnips, uh, your mustard greens, some of your lettuces and spinaches, uh, those are things that I would, I would start today even. Um, and that you could get in the ground as, as soon as they have a adequate root system, you could get in the ground as early as by the end of this month. Um, and about our seed selection, uh, a wonderful, wonderful selection of heirloom varieties that are harder to find. A lot of our seeds are, are deemed U.S. organic, um, and just a selection that, that like you said, you're, you're, it's going to be hard to find any anywhere else um, on on edibles for sure. Absolutely, yeah, y'all've got some some great ones too. So to get started, we we need a seed starter kit. You know, we have a tray. It has to have that clear lid for kind of that greenhouse effect and to keep the humidity in to, to make the seeds germinate. Um, how do we pair up seeds, Charles? Like, I mean, is it okay if we have this this one tray to plant, you know, tomato seeds and let's say, you know, I, I don't know, pepper seeds in the same, are they going to grow at the same rate or do we need to stick with different trays for each different seed that we're doing? No. And if, if you are, if you are doing peppers and tomatoes, for instance, those are going to both be planted or sowed at the same time, you know, after our last frost date, um, which for us is generally after after Easter. Um, so if you wanted to plant a combination of of seeds in the same tray, make sure that they're all, um, you know, that they're all going to go out at the same time. If if you want to do an even more combination and do your leafies and your fruiting vegetables in the same tray, try labeling them. So that way your leafies could go out first and then you could leave um, let's say your tomatoes, your, your peppers, even, even your beans in the same, in the same tray and, and then have an assortment, you know, to go out at different times. Okay. That's perfect. Uh, and so, la- yeah, so labeling them is, is very key. Cause it's going to be very hard to remember which, which seed pod was what, and they kind of all look the same once they start leafing out. So, um, we'll make sure, we'll make sure we have those labeled. Absolutely. And um, talking about, you know, what you and I had a good conversation via email um, earlier this week about, you know, the right soil. And we definitely don't want to just use any old soil to do this. And it has to be something hygienic. It has to be sterile. Um, And I do love the Black Gold brand, the seedling mix. Um, That is my favorite. That's my number one recommendation when you walk into a Pike Nursery. But Charles, you gave me kind of a good recipe if someone needs to maybe make their own, what, what kind of soil is best? Especially if they're doing it in bulk, um, the seedling mix is you could get by with a potting soil, but the seedling mix also has 
the peat moss added in. It has perlite added in, and it has a wetting agent added in too. And it just—it's like a—it's basically a, a a fluffy potting soil. Um, it's very light. It's very airy. Um, it stays wet long enough for the seeds to get to get the water they need, but it dries out in time so they're not overwatered. Um, so we sell all the separate materials. If you are doing a, a giant seed operation and, and you want to make your own mix in bulk, we have everything you need to kind of make up your own seedling mix. And we also do have the seedling mix that's already made. And you're right, and the Black Gold brand is is desirable. It's it's a really good uh, it's a it's a really good and trusted brand to, to go with. That's right. And so when we're when we're dropping these seeds into the the trays cells, um, I think it's okay to put more than one seed uh, in each cell because you know you may have one germinate and you may have a dud. You may, you may not. So uh, what's your recommendation? I guess it really would depend on seed size. You know how how much we plant, right? That's and that's 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 the key there. Seed size. You don't want to put three pumpkin seeds possibly in the same tray, <laughs> but, but pepper seeds for sure. And, and you're right. Uh, one might, one might fizzle out before, before it goes. And uh, a way to uh, kind of, to help you with some of those dud seeds or some, some plants not, not completely getting to maturity is to use something called a seed inoculate. And mm. it's not something we had mentioned before, but I'm, I'm very keen on this. And it's an easy operation, um, and it's a, a, a seaweed extract is, is a really oh. good um, common seed inoculate. And it's also a good foliar drench and root development. So it's like a three-in-one uh, bottle. But you, you mix the solution in water, and you, and you soak your seeds briefly before putting them in. And it's just like a little, little jolt of energy uh, to the seeds to start waking up. And uh, I really, really trust that product, and I really recommend it for for seeds, okay. um, for any any vegetables you're planting for root development, and it's a great uh, foliar spray too, mm-hmm. and very trace, very low trace elements of fertilizer. So we're not fertilizing plants; we're just kind of waking them up. We're we're giving them a little boost, um, and that's and that's something that can go a long way. It's Two ounces per gallon. The bottle, sixteen ounces. Wow! You'll have you'll have uh, the seaweed extract for for years if you use it correctly. Okay, great. So I would really recommend everybody head to Pike Nursery and just check out that seed wall. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so fun! And make sure if you're not familiar, you know, read the back of the the seed packet. Right? I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, if you're a little intimidated by the process, of course, there's an associate there that's going to help you out. And Charles, amongst all the seeds and stuff, we've you, you've got the trays there ready to go, the seed starter kits. And like you mentioned, heating mats. Um, some people swear by them. Some people don't need them. But you have a great variety of the heating mats and all of that right there. We do. We do. And last but not least, let's not forget, and um, I heard Brian earlier from, from Pikes talking about um, pollinators. We do have a nice selection of annual and perennial seeds as well that you could start sowing right now too. Um, so that's just another Another great thing about our seed selection, um, you can get the native milkweeds in and, uh, and uh, other other great uh, butterfly and bee pollinating seeds. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you so much for stopping by, Charles. I always appreciate your wealth of knowledge. And uh, tell us where to go online to, to get started with the process. 
go to pikenursery.com um, and, and take a look at our offering on, on the website. Come into any one of our stores and check out all of our social media uh, branches for, for ideas, for inspiration, and, and from pictures from local uh, gardens and communities. Oh, yeah. Pike Nursery on Facebook, on Instagram. We'll have a wonderful weekend, and I hope the shops are just busy, busy, busy. Even though it's Super Bowl Sunday, we're thinking about planting, and we're ready. All right. All right. Thanks, Charles. We'll talk to you real soon. And next week, I'm going to be talking to Allison Smith. She's manager of the East Cobb store, and we're going to be talking about birding. And that is just such a fun department in Pike Nursery. That's such fun stuff to check out. That's really the theme of next Saturday's show because of the great backyard bird count. Can't wait to share all of that with you. 404 872 Up next, it's Peg from Tucker. Hey, it's been a little while. How are you, Peg? Hi, Ashley. I'm doing good. How are you? You know, I, I was a little under the weather at the beginning of the show, but with the help of Jason and John, I'm perking up and I'm feeling a little bit better. So thank you. Did they give you a shot for oh. immunization? No. no. <laughs> they they gave me some coffee. They supplied me with some humor <laughs> and some coffee, and I think that did the trick. So. I see. Well, okay. How, how can I try to help you today? Well, can you tell me how to grow balsa wood? I have a two by four by six inch piece, uh, rectangular solid mm-hmm. that is made out of balsa wood, and I'm trying to grow a tree to replace it. Wow! Yeah, a, a, wow! That's that's a fantastic tree, and it's very fast growing. But I certainly know it's not native to to our part of the world, is it? I don't know where they grow, do you? No, I mean, I'm thinking like a rainforest kind of climates. My goodness, I don't know, Peg, to be honest. I, I don't think that's uh, a tree that we're going to be really successful with here, but man, the wood that comes from it is fantastic. <laughs> so, wow, well, that's that's really interesting. That's a first. Um, I, gosh, I wish I had better information for you, but I know they're fast growing, but holy cow, I just don't know. Well, maybe some of your international viewers can call in and tell us. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Maybe not uh, maybe not off of the North American continent for sure, but we do certainly have people listening in Puerto Rico, California, New York. So uh, if anybody wants to weigh in on that, I am all ears. Well, Peg, good to hear from you. Thanks so much for the call. Coming up on 849, just a few minutes left to go. We'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. All right, one last check of the weather from me, and then I'm going to leave it in the capable hands of uh, meteorologist Brad Nitz and even Dave Baker to update you for the rest of the day. But uh, rain showers developing in the afternoon today, and of course we had that talk about uh, maybe a sleet mix in the northern suburbs, far north Georgia mountains. No accumulation here. That's the good news. High of 47 today, low of 36 and mostly sunny tomorrow and Monday and highs in the low 50s. So we've had some great calls today. I really appreciate you being a part of the show. And uh, I've invited back Norm Mitleider with some tips for you. A friend of the show, I am happy to welcome back Norm Mitleider, a certified aesthetic pruner living in the Atlanta metro area. You've heard him on the show before. Good morning, Norm. Good morning, Ashley. We're thinking this is the time of year that we can safely prune so many things And I've asked you in the past about hydrangeas. Which one is the best time now to prune? 
the hydrangea paniculatas are one of the main ones that are being pruned now. I know I'm starting mine now. Uh, the other one is the hydrangea annabelles. Uh, they can also be pruned now. And the reason we prune them now is we don't have to worry about a late frost because they will bloom on fresh wood. So if they do happen to get toasted during a late frost, they will still bloom. And if anybody has limelights, maybe as an example, that's paniculata or panicle hydrangeas. And yes, Norm, right now mine are very stemmy. It's just the twigs. So tell me about how far back I can cut those stems. Typically what I like doing with my paniculatas is trying to create more blooms. And the way you do that is when they're young, you start trimming them to encourage multiple shoots. And then on those newer shoots, you'll trim them down a little bit and then encourage more shoots. Also, when you're trimming them, what you want to do is make sure and leave at least one or two nodes so that if you later want to trim them back, you have those nodes to go back to. The other thing is when you're trimming, you don't want to trim to a height. You want to trim to the buds. So make sure you just, when you trim them back, trim maybe a quarter inch just above the buds. And when do we look forward to seeing those conical-shaped blooms on a hydrangea paniculata? You'll start to see them, you know, later spring, but you're really not going to see the flower until probably July. All right, Norm, good to have you along. Thanks for the pruning advice. My pleasure. And of course, now is also the time to prune roses. If you haven't already, it's okay. I just pruned my knockouts way back a few days ago, Um, all the way to the ground almost, like some spots eight inches high, 10 inches, 12 inches off the ground is fine. Um, and, And I love Norm's advice too, no matter what you're pruning, you have to prune back to a point. You can't just cut something off in the middle of the stem or the middle of the branch. So go back to another branch, cut right up above a bud, because that's where, you know, new growth is going to occur. Um, And also pruning grapevines, those have to be done every year. And pruning should occur later in the dormant season and before bud break. Um, So always something to be doing in the landscape for sure. Well, it's been a really fun show. We talked a lot about roses in hour number one. And uh, we talked about landscape design with Pike Nursery and had some tips there. So go back and listen to the show. I would love that. WSBradio.com. And click on On Demand if you missed any parts of the show. Also on Google Play and on Spotify. And we had a really fun conversation on my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, um, about the garden tools that you just absolutely can't live without. Most people say a good pair of shears or pruners. And so educate yourself a little bit on some of the brands that work best for folks, whether you get Bypass or Anvil and see the difference there. It's been a fun Saturday morning. I leave you in the very capable hands of Dave Baker coming up in the Home Fix-It show. And I'll be back with triple team traffic for you on Monday morning. Happy Super Bowl weekend. Have a safe and relaxing weekend.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.